You are listening to Behind the Poet Podcast, episode 14, continuation of Finding Ministry Opportunities. Welcome to Behind the Poet Podcast. This is Tim Lucas. With me, I have Nigel and Ryan. You know them. We're just three regular guys who are passionate about growing young ministers. I decided to break up episode 13 into two parts. We went kind of long and... Rather than trying to cut stuff out, I decided to give it all to in two parts. So now we're going to get to the continuation of finding ministry opportunities. Okay, so let's say someone is called to preach and they've expressed that to their pastor and their pastor says, okay, next Sunday you're up. What advice would you give someone the first time they preach? This is what was done to us anyway. Some of the young young men that the missionary thought that that he wanted to uh, kind of have us uh, start just being in front uh, of the pulpit and kind of try and preach, you know, that he would give us five minutes prepare on the baptism. He would say, prepare five minute lesson on baptism or Holy Ghost, and so we would prepare on that. But definitely pray that God will help you. Uh, with with the message, I think the other in an aspect of uh, how far along that like have they preached at youth services or no this okay is this like a super green person that they just have been studying and studying and they just have been involved in other things and pastors finally said you know what let's however you want to answer it <laughs> my picture was some seventeen year old kid who's never preached anywhere anytime. Hopefully in front of his stuffed animals, but that's it. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I think prepare as much as you can. Uh, if it was me, I would have the sermon written out. You know, I wouldn't trust myself to just have topics or just have a, a brief outline written and going off of that because it is so easy. I mean, I, I still do it even with my messages completely typed out that I will get kind of sidetracked and I might lose my place, but having it completely written out and having gone over it multiple times uh, and trying to figure out a way that writing your, your sermon makes sense to you as far as are there points that you want to have emphasis or are you just writing your scriptures and then writing out what you're saying uh, as you're saying it. And don't let the night you get behind the pulpit be the first time you speak it out loud. Yeah. You need to, there will probably be typos. There will be uh, punctuation where there shouldn't be punctuation. And you'll get lost. I usually have a pretty big print. I don't have it very small on purpose pretty well spaced out because I don't want to get lost in a jumble of words in the middle of my paper. If I take my eyes off my paper, which hopefully you are, um, you know, making eye contact with the congregation, uh, lets them know that you're engaged and that you actually are talking to them and not talking to your Bible, um, or your notes. That's, that's something that, that practice will improve. Um, but nothing really gets you ready for the f- very first time that you preach, uh, especially 
if the odd, you know, if the church that you're going to is a very outlandish church or uh, boisterous, like they get behind the pastor and they're amening and they're, if the church starts to get hyped up with something that you're saying, sometimes it's, it's hard to stay focused and not get lost in that because your whole time in ministry has been from the pew. Yeah. And so the whole time you're just the one that's amening and, and encouraging and, and preaching with the preacher. And now all of a sudden you're behind the pulpit and you have to respond to that response. And you have to, as the, as the preacher, as the pastor, as the evangelist, as the main speaker, you have to stay focused and sensitive to the spirit in where that's leading you. Do you stay with your notes? Do you exhort for a couple minutes? Do you even know what to say if you exhort? Uh, you know, probably not. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, are you just going to be able to go off like, uh, you know, Brother Stone King or uh, that? You're probably going to say something really bad. Yeah. And your pastor's probably going to come take the mic and have to fix something. <laughs> stick with, so your, stick notes. with your notes. Stick I mean, with your notes. There's an evangelist extraordinaire that I know of who is great at this. And uh, I believe he goes by Brother Ollie. First name is Nigel, I think. But if you can get a hold of some of his messages, you will have a nice little outline of really uh, how to preach. I'm just kidding, man. So speaking of that, (laughs) speaking of that, step one, do not go to a website online and download someone else's sermon. Do not do that. Oh, my word. It will not work. It will not work. Because... It will flop. I've not tried it, but I've seen others try it. Oh, this has been a topic that we've talked about uh, with my father-in-law. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I will. I will say I do frequent almost every sermon that I preach. I go to sermoncentral.com, but I do it for this reason. After, and I do it after I have basically completed my sermon, especially if I don't have what I like. For illustrations, yeah. I will type in my main topic. I'll search that a few sermons. I'll search the the top or the scriptures, the main scriptures, and look for illustrations. Mm. And I find mm. a lot of good illustrations that way. It saves me a lot of research. But I will. I always do that after I've already written the sermon out, um, because if you don't, it will become almost impossible for you to separate what God's telling you from what you read on the yeah. internet. I've I've made the mistake of going on the internet too soon. I really feel like that's why God ended up changing the sermon, not having yeah. to preach that sermon. I feel like it's because I ruined it. Because I couldn't preach it from him. That ruined it too much. You know, as a young man in Fiji, I was getting up to, I got up to preach. I still remember the message that I, I actually taught. And it was from a book, the From the World of Flame book. It was the, the title was, We Have an Altar. And I took I took literally all of that and wrote it down, and I was going to teach the church. And I'm telling you, it was such a flop. I was sweating like none other. <laughs> and brother, brother Reed, if you listen, I I thank God for him. And he, I was just going at it and and trying to read word for word and look at the people and. Uh, Brother Reed realized what was going on, you know what I mean? And it was as dry and dead as it can be. I'm telling you, I I just get 
just I cringe thinking about it because I had never forgotten that feeling. I never forgotten it. And the people were kind enough. They were listening, but you could tell that they were like, man, what's going on? And Brother Reed, my time was up. You know, my time was up. 45 minutes almost, you know. I went on and on and on. And and then I turned around and told Brother Reed, can I have five more minutes? Brother Reed said, he said, five minutes it is. And, uh, And I went, probably five minutes, probably my sixth minute, I hear Brother Reed from the back, stand up. And tell everybody, let's all stand up and worship the Lord. <laughs> Enough of all this stuff. <laughs> so that was my second point. <laughs> if the pastor gives you a time limit, yeah. do not go over. Right. Some pastors will overlook it. Some won't. My dad won't. If you go over your time limit, yeah. then the next time you don't get asked to preach. Um, no. Because you need to honor your pastor's request. If you, I would, I, when I preach, I still do it. doesn't mean I pay attention to it, but I set my phone clock stopwatch when I get up there. So I know how long I've been preaching. And if I was given 15 minutes and I saw that I was at 1450 and I was mid sentence, I would, I would turn to pastor, say pastor, you know, I'd like to turn it to you. Now, if he asked you to keep going, that's different. But but that's the second thing. If you're given a lot of time, stick to that. But the main thing is keep it simple. Simple. Do not Amen. try to come up with some new revelation. Right. right. Don't try to sound deep. If you try to sound deep, you're just going to sound dumb. Yeah. Trust me, we've heard plenty of freshman sermons to <laughs> attest to that. Ryan. Keep it simple. No, I'm just kidding. Keep, you know, <laughs> I don't remember Ryan ever being bad. I thought Ryan did good from the beginning. I'm just picking um, You would say that, wouldn't you, Nigel? <laughs> but no, you know. Keep it simple. Preach something you've heard preached so many times. Yeah. Something about the blood, something about the cross, something about that, like there's no controversy. And go ahead and prepare. Yeah. It's going to be bad. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it is. Unless you've taken some speech class in high school and you're just a professional, whatever. Otherwise, it's going to be bad. People are going to come up and tell you it was a great sermon. Hopefully, they all do. Probably at least one or two well meaning old ladies are going to say something like, well, that's okay. Everybody starts out rough or something that's going to hurt your feelings. Just get over it. Just, yeah. you've got to get a couple bad sermons out of the way. Hopefully your pastor will give you some tips, but it's okay. Just remember the it's more okay. word of God that you have in your sermon, yeah. the less percentage can go wrong. Cause if you're, yeah. if you're reading the Bible, at least that part is good. If every other word you say right. is just, not even comprehensible, at least if you're reading the Word of God. That's where the power is. And just say what the Word of God says, and you'll be okay. Everybody preaches some bad sermons. Most of us preach several of them. It's okay. Well, you know, Brother Mullings put it pretty well at a conference that I was at here in Oregon. He was talking about preaching and pastoring, and he said, you know, there are very few people where they will have one moment in their christian walk that defines their one message that defines their life as a christian or being saved but it's the continual hearing of the word week in and week out being fed meeting the needs at that time when you get asked to preach you can affect someone's life 
in that moment. But you're not going to ruin someone's life. In other words, what I'm trying to say is you're not, it, there isn't the weight of the world on you with this one message. Yes, you need to take it serious because there are needs that day in that service that need to be met. And that's why it's important for man of God to be praying, seeking the will of the Lord, will of God in the message so they, those needs can be met. But the next Sunday is going to come and the Sunday after that. And it's those needs being met through a, through a, each individual's walk, each individual's life as a Christian, that really develops them. And that that's why you have to be praying. You have to be studying. You have to, yeah. yeah. You know, you can prepare. And it's like, you know, Brother Griffin said, I mean, you can you could be a great orator. You can speak yeah. well and move people to do things for you. Um but that's not preaching. No. No. You know, Tim, you can correct me if I'm if I'm using this out of context, but the Bible does say by the foolishness of preaching. <laughs> it's true. Not to say that those who are preaching are fools, but in the eyes of those who are, are who think they're smart, they look at preaching and they're like, That's an old country, you know, bumpkin, a, a hillbilly from the backwoods. No, it's God moving through them. Yeah. Well, and the interesting thing, too, is Paul said, I didn't come to you with eloquent right, words, right, right. you know, man's wisdom. The funny thing is we forget if anybody in the history of the church was qualified and could have come with wise words and philosophical arguments, it would have been Paul. I mean, this guy right. was educated personally by Gamaliel, who was a descendant of some of the most, I mean, like his lineage goes back to, he was yeah. so respected. It was like, if you went to Harvard and personally were tutored by the most elite, you know, instructor, that's who he was. He had, you know, if he had stayed in that Jewish sect, he probably would have been head of the Sanhedrin, certainly on it. And so when, even after coming out of that, he still had all that training. Mm-hmm. And so, but he said, I didn't come to you with that. So I feel like he purposefully chose to speak in a simplified manner. Right. Yeah. Why? So that I could come to you in the demonstration of the spirit and the power. Because, right. <clears throat> and, and it's funny because, and I was thinking about this one day and I really felt like the Lord told me, like, the reason so many people put so much effort into coming with wise words and eloquent words is because they have no power and they don't have the demonstration of the Spirit. So you have to substitute your wise words. And we'll put more effort into, preach, into prayer. Amen. And making sure we're hearing from God. Really what preaching needs to be is repeating what we heard God tell us. My goal in life is to be able to say what Jesus said, where he said, I don't do anything except what I saw my, or what my, fa- I saw my father do, and I don't say anything except what I hear my father say. Mm. Now, that's a, a goal that it, I don't know if it is even attainable as a human. I believe it is, because I believe, believe everything Jesus did as a human is attainable by us. And so if that's the case, that is, a, that is something I can attain. And if I can get there, you know, that, that's what I really want with my life, that every yeah. word I say in the pulpit and out of the pulpit 
right. is what I'm hearing God saying. And now how did Jesus mm-hmm. do that? If you read Luke, it gives you the answer. Half the book of Luke is, and Jesus went and prayed all night. And Jesus, and Amen. then all the stories, almost all of them, not all of them, but pretty close, is like, Jesus went somewhere to pray, and people interrupted him. And when he was interrupted praying, Jesus did this. And then when he was done, he went away to a solitary place. And then mm-hmm. people found out where he was, came, interrupted his prayer time. And when they interrupted his prayer time, he did this. And it's like, the, you could almost say, Luke, the sub, subtitle is Luke, what happened when Jesus was interrupted praying? <laughs> you know, it's that much of how much he's praying and praying all night. And if we can ever get to the point of where we're praying like that, you know, and, and I think of these old timers, you know, G.T. Haywood, he wrote that amazing song, I See a Crimson Stream of Blood, and, mm. you know, we forget what happened. He he was going through this crazy struggle in his church, had didn't have the answer. He told the people in church, I'm going in to my office, and I'm not coming out till I have an answer. And if I remember right, it was like, you know, that was like on a Thursday or something, come Sunday, they never saw their pastor. You know, they prayed, maybe sang a few songs. I don't know, maybe somebody tried to preach or something. And then, you know, Wednesday, their midweek service, the next Sunday, it was like two, two and a half weeks. And I think he would give some communication or something. But finally, he came out from that place of prayer for a couple weeks. And he just came to the pulpit and started singing that song, I See a Crimson Stream of Blood that Flows from Calvary. And these and the Freemans, mm-hmm. and you go down the list, they're all great men of prayer and women of prayer. Amen, yeah. If we ever can ever get to that point where our preaching is repeating what we heard God say, then nothing we said right now even matters. <laughs> so this whole podcast was a waste. <laughs> <laughs> if we can ever get to the point where we're literally repeating what God says. But, you know, uh, I think that outside of the pulpit, uh, you know, we kind of touched on a few other avenues of ministry because the reality is that a, if you're feeling like you're called to ministry, then you should be faithful to church and you should be asking your pastor or if you're young, your youth pastor, how you can be involved there in that church. Then once that's established, there are avenues to take where you can get involved in the community, but it's important that you do it right in, yeah. as far as knowing what channels to take. For instance, the UPC through Brother Poe, through Sidney Poe, is getting more involved with chaplaincy. Uh, chaplaincy in itself, you can get certified, yeah. and you can do it through other organizations, but now we can do it through UPCI, which is awesome. But you can become a certified chaplain and be able to go into the hospitals. Not only that, but you could potentially even get paid for it if you could find right. a, a job for that. So, right. uh you can get trained. There's a couple. There's some courses. I'm not quite sure if they do it online yet. Uh, if you are interested in it, please send us an email or call us out. You know, send us a message on Facebook or on Twitter, um, and we can certainly get that information. And then that also includes the police department. That includes the fire department. You can. There's all these avenues where you can where you can go in. And then through jail ministry, really, it just takes the initiative to go there. And to find out what yep. it takes, because usually you, sometimes you have to meet some certifications and uh, different right. things. But the churches that do that, for instance, there's a church, I, there's quite a few here because there's quite a few prisons outside of Portland. And, man, they are baptizing men. I mean, 
they are the men that are in prison right now, men and women, they're hungry. They're they're looking for an answer because their whole life they've been told that they're nothing and that they've done wrong, you know, and they're looking for an answer and Jesus is that answer. So I think there's a huge uh, need in that area, especially with our movement, you know, because it feels like that stuff kind of gets de-emphasized as far as being important. And I'm not trying to disregard what, what we just spent like 40 minutes talking about, about preaching and being behind the pulpit, because all that's important. But it's like when you talk to someone about being a chaplain, they're like, well, can you talk to him about getting baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost and one God? Because if you can't do that, then you're wasting your time. And I, I think that's the biggest fallacy that we could believe that that, yeah. mm-hmm. that 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 negates that that ministry that we can have. Because yes, we may not be able to go into the hospital room and talk to someone about baptism in Jesus' name, but having the truth within us, we can go and be a testimony and a witness and have that true peace coming with us and entering into that room. And who knows if an avenue opens up. Um, But it seems like in those types of areas where ministry, like the nursing homes, those... Why in the world would I want to waste my time serving someone if I can't preach hellfire and brimstone to them? You know, and and then the reality is, is that's how a lot of people think. Think, Um, In case the listener doesn't know me, I was being sarcastic. (laughs) Like I'm frequently told the- people can't tell if I'm being sarcastic <laughs> or not. So, <laughs> clarity's sake, that was sarcasm. <laughs> By episode 13, hopefully, that was hopefully pretty clear. <laughs> we all have a bit of sarcasm in us. A little. I think that's probably why we get along. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. And Nigel just reasons, Nigel just but... keeps us nice and level. Oh man, I don't know about that. My my sarcasm doesn't come out here. <laughs> One on one, Nigel hides it. That's true. Yeah, he has his um, evangelism career to uh, protect. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that there there are other uh, avenues that young ministers can go uh, can pursue to fulfill ministry. Um, And here's a good um, here's a good rule in life as far as just being a Christian. If you ever want to complain about something, complain to God about it. Seriously. I'm not being sarcastic this time. As much as that probably sounds sarcastic, I'm not. Literally go to a place of prayer and complain to God about it because he will give you the answer. If you go and say, God, it's not fair. I'm not getting asked to preach. He's going to tell you what you need to do. Maybe it's quit worrying about preaching. Go pick up gum wrappers or go wash the windows of the church. Or maybe he'll say, go preach at the jails or maybe you'll say, go preach at the hospital, but you're going to have so much more confidence in what you're doing. If God told you to do that and you're not going to question as much as, well, where's this going to lead me? You'll stop doing things for where it can lead you and start doing it. Cause God told you to do it. I've always said that the most important thing in your relationship with God is be honest. And so if you feel like complaining about something, don't hide that from God, complain about it to God. He's a big boy. He can take it. You know, he's not going to get offended and hurt. Because you're complaining. It's better than it going and complaining to someone else or getting a bad attitude. Yeah, and I think it's important to know that you're not going to be crucified or lose your salvation by doing such. <laughs> Actually, you're probably better off complaining to God 
Because if you complain to God, if you complain to your pastor, he'll probably be like, "I'll forget this joker." If you complain yeah. to God, you're, there's going to be no repercussions, right? But the, but the question is, do we do we really think that just preaching is being involved in ministry? I I don't think if if you think you're gonna just preaching is being involved in ministry, I think that is the very small part of ministry. Absolutely. I right. I think being there's more ministry off the pulpit than on the pulpit. You know, it's a very sm- preaching is a very small part of ministry. Ministry really begins when you get off that pulpit from preaching and then you mingle with people and serve people and love on people and do things around. Yes, preaching is the easiest part. It's the smallest part to me, but uh, it's it's the most visible part, and people think that they, they put so much more emphasis in preaching, uh, but there is so much more ministry uh, that is that is off the pulpit than all behind the pulpit. <laughs> yeah, you know, it reminds me, so... You guys know I'm an electrician and uh, technically an electrical apprentice. I have a few more months in my program before I'm officially a licensed electrician. But when I started, you know, you select what kind of electrician you want to be. And I want the kind of electrician I'm is called an inside wireman, right? Well, I was out on a job and people were, you know, we tell stories about other people that have come through or whatever, how terrible workers they were. But one of the foremen was telling me, he's like, he had this guy show up in, on the job and he was like hey man i signed up to be an inside wireman i don't crawl under buildings and it, well you might guess he got sent home right away uh, another guy was like oh, i don't do ditches well he got sent home too and it's the same thing in ministry if if your concept is well you're going to figure out a way to where you just preach all the time it's not going to turn out too well you're going to get sent home you're going to get fired until you can figure out what ministry is. I recently had something that was pretty impactful for me. I uh, had a, there was a family in the church who their grandson was dying. And I had just been praying for weeks. I'd even done some fasting that God would start using me in the supernatural. Um, that God would open up that part of my ministry. And... I was sure this was going to be the the case that really broke it in our church. And I walked in with so much faith. And I don't want to give too much details because I don't know how the family would feel. But I I remember walking, you know, in. I got the room number the guy was in. I walked up. He he was in liver failure. So he was all yellow. It's kind of an odd sight to see. But so I got the room number, went up to the floor. As I walked on the floor, I heard them say, Code blue. I, I think they said code blue. I can't remember for sure or not. But, you know, nurses rush to room such and such. And it was his room. And I was like, well, he probably has a roommate or something. There's no way it's him. I know he's going to get healed. Well, it was him. He was having a seizure. They wouldn't let me or they actually kicked the family out of the room when he started having the seizure. And I don't know why. Because I had so much faith. You would think that I'd be like, seizure, what seizure? He's going to get healed. But when, when I heard that he was having a seizure, my faith drained. I went in after the seizure and, you know, Ryan, you'll know, everybody else, I don't know. But after a seizure, it kind of takes a while for the brain to reset. And so people will be twitchy and 
you know, kind of reboot. It's that rebooting process, and he never really came out of that before he ended up passing. But he was twitchy, and the eyes roll in his head and stuff, and would try to whisper, but not really communicating very much. And but I expected that with my eyes closed when I opened them, he was going to sit up and say something like "I'm hungry" or "Why am I here?" or so, that dramatic moment, or he was going to come out speaking in tongues or you know something like that. And it didn't happen. And I was like at a loss of what to do. And so I just stood there in the hotel or in the hospital room. I ended up standing there for three hours. Mm. And, you know, I, I came home feeling so dejected. And I told my wife, I was like, I don't know what I did wrong. You know, I told the whole story. I, was, I think I even was crying. I don't remember for sure. I know in the car I was crying. And I was praying. I'm like, God, I'm sorry that I messed up. I know you wanted to heal him. And I blew it. And I... Ended up, I called some men that are known for being used in healing and talked to them. And they, you know, I, I got some guidance and stuff on that. But they, that family, they're in our church, the grandparents, a couple months later gave me a card. I, I'm going to keep that in my Bible. I have it in my Bible right now. I'm going to keep it in my Bible for the, probably the rest of my life. And I don't have it with me right now, but it basically said, you have no idea how much what you did for us met mm. and will forever remember you. And, you know, not just them, but their extended family that was not in church that they said all, they've all been talking about how much they appreciate you. And, and I was just dumbfounded because I didn't say anything. I just stood there and it reminded me, my wife, when she got that, she kind of didn't laugh, but I, it was kind of like, I told you so I was trying to tell you this, you know, and I was reminded, I think she might have reminded me, I think it was Brother Poe, maybe Brother Farrell, um, both, you know, Brother David Farrell, um, Sidney Poe, they, they both in, are teachers at Bible school. But one of them said something about the ministry of presence, presence yeah. of just being there. And when you don't know what to say, don't say anything. Yep. Just be there. Yep. When someone dies, you're not going to have the answer for their family. You just go there, sit with them, yeah. help them with the funeral preparations. Don't try to give them an answer. Don't quote scripture to them. Yeah. Just be there. And there will come a time where you can minister to them. You just be there. And if you're not willing to do that, it's very uncomfortable. It's not fun. Yeah. There's nothing fun about standing in a hospital looking at a guy that's that's almost comically yellow. And his family's crying and standing around you feel like you're the outsider why am i standing here with the family here and you and what am i supposed to say and, and there's nothing fun about that i would have much rather been at home with my wife and my son you know or 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 was standing with the family when their daughter just committed suicide there's nothing fun about that but that's what ministry is yep you just you've got to be there yeah I didn't mean to wrap it up, but it sounds like we're done. <laughs> kind of like that drop the mic moment, I guess. I think that's a good way to end it. Yeah, I think I think that pretty much well said it, man. You 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 have us uh, listening to the story. I just kept as pretty good ending. I think. Future Tim here. Just want to let you know that we're going to be switching from once a week episode releases to once every two weeks until the end of the year. There's a couple reasons we made the decision. One, a few episodes were coming out late. And I don't want you to expect an episode and then not get it. 
Secondly, I could see that we were starting to struggle to hit the level of quality that we were striving for. We want to keep getting better. And I didn't really feel like we were getting there. None of us did. And so we've decided that by going to once every two weeks, we can kind of focus on the quality a little more, being better prepared, better researched, things like that, and not be quite so rushed on the editing. And we can get you a better quality product. At the beginning of the new year, we'll plan on going back to once a week episodes. Thank you guys for all the feedback you you give us. And, and you really are the reason that we do this show. We appreciate you so much. The show notes are at BehindThePulpitPodcast.com slash 14. If you want to get in contact with us, go to BehindThePulpitPodcast.com slash contact, and it'll list the ways you can get in contact with us. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, remember, you matter to the kingdom of God. Behind the Pulpit Podcast.